Let us now read together what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 13. Lord's Day 13. There we find God's word summarized as follows. Why is he called God's only begotten son, since we also are children of God? Because Christ alone is the eternal, natural son of God. We, however, are children of God by adoption, through grace, for Christ's sake. Why do you call him our Lord? Because he has ransomed us, body and soul, from all our sins, not with silver or gold, but with his precious blood and has freed us from all the power of the devil to make us his own possession. After the sermon, we will sing together from hymn 37, stanza 3 and 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that also includes you, boys and girls, question and answer 33 deal with the statement in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son. What does that mean? Well, to beget means to become the father of. It's an old-fashioned word. And if he is the only begotten, that means that God the Father has no other natural children. He has only one natural child. And he has been his natural child from eternity. That's hard for us to understand. For what do you think of when you think of a father and his child? And then we think of the one always being older than the other, don't we? A father, in our experience, is always older than his child. We also know that no one can become a father without a mother. But not so with God the Father and God the Son. The Son only has a father and no mother. And the Son is just as old as the Father. That is what the Bible teaches us. We may not fully comprehend that, but that is how it is. We have to accept that in faith. Christ alone is the eternal, natural Son of God. But Christ is also our Lord. What does that mean? In the past, we also referred to certain people as lords, but no longer. The title Lord belongs to a time period when there were various classes of people. The lower classes were to call those above them, the property owners, Lord. Now we no longer do that. Although we still use the title Landlord, it is no longer it no longer has the meaning as it did in ages past. What then does it mean that Christ is our Lord? This afternoon we will deal with the fact that not only Christ is our Lord, but also that we are God's children by adoption. It is, un- it is important for us to understand these terms and what they mean. For then we also realize the riches of our faith. 
it is wonderful to be called children of God. It is also wonderful to have God's Son as our Lord and Master. Let us listen to the preaching of God's Word as summarized as follows. God adopted us as his children so that we may confess his Son as our only Lord and Master. We will see three things. God has become our Father. Christ has become our Lord. We have become new creatures. Question and answer 33 deal with the fact that we are adopted children. God has adopted us as his own. We all know what adoption is. It means that a child's natural parents relinquished their rights or had the rights to their child legally taken away. As a result, another set of parents became the legal parents of that child. Adoption means going from one's natural family to one's adopted family. Now then, we are adopted children of God. God is our adoptive father. That means that he was not always our father and that we had a different father before we were adopted. Who was that father? Was that our earthly father, perhaps? Well, no. That is not what the catechism is referring to. For we are dealing here with spiritual matters. Therefore, the reference is to our spiritual father. Who is our natural spiritual father originally? Well, none other than Satan. That is what we learn from the Bible. We read about that together in John 8. We see there that there is spoken of two fathers. Christ says there in verse 38, I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your Father. Two fathers, the Father of Christ and the Father of the Pharisees. The Pharisees, however, do not quite understand what Jesus is saying. That is clear from their answer. They claim Abraham as their father. They are thinking about their father according to the flesh. Christ, however, is speaking about their spiritual father. In that sense, not even Abraham is their father, for Abraham is the father of all believers. The Pharisees are not believers, and therefore they do not understand spiritual matters. Who is their spiritual father then? None other than the devil or Satan. They have no father in heaven, but a father in hell. And that is also the way, it us, the way it was for us before we were adopted as children of God. And that may sound strange to our ears. But listen to what we read elsewhere in the Gospel of John. In chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. If one is to become a child of God, the implication is that you are not a child of God already. Somehow this still has to happen, for it is impossible to be fatherless. You are either the child of one or of the other. Before you became a child of God, you were a child of Satan. In accordance with our old nature, we are children of Satan. For what is the nature of Satan? 
he is a natural liar and murderer. That is also what Christ said in John 8, verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's his nature, and that's also man's nature. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 3, verse 10 through 13. He says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of viper is on their lips. As the saying goes, we are a chip of the old block. We are just like our father, the devil. And this sounds also final, so unchangeable. How is it possible for man to become a child of God? Something enormous has to take place. Only God can do that. And the wonderful thing is that God has not left us in the deadly grip of Satan. And so God makes it possible for you and me to be adopted into his family. How can he do that? How can the Lord our God break the stranglehold of Satan and take us away from our natural parent, the devil? Well, the only way that that could be done was through the payment of a ransom. No doubt you're all aware of the Somali pirates who holds whole ships with its crew for ransom. The only way that they will release a ship with its crew is if a ransom is paid. They usually ask millions of dollars. Sometimes a shipping company or the government will pay the ransom. There is no choice but to pay the ransom, for it is very difficult to capture these pirates and to get rid of them. Once you are in the power of these men, you will not escape. Any attempt at rescue will only result in bloodshed and in the sure death of the captives. Now then, Satan also holds us captive. We are in the power of the devil. And the devil is much stronger than those Somali pirates. There is not a person on earth, not an army in the whole wide world that can stand up to him. And he will not let anyone go. He is the boss of a hell from which no man can escape. It is a horrible place. He is the Lord and master of that domain. The only way that we can be set free from the power of the devil is if a ransom is paid. And you see, that is what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. But he did not come with silver and gold, but with his precious blood. He suffered and he died so that we can be set free from the power of the devil and once again become children of God. Isn't that wonderful? Through the Lord Jesus Christ, instead of being captives of the devil, we are set free. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord God has adopted us and made us his own. We are now under his protection. And the Lord determined that already before the foundation of the world. Nowadays, there are also people who adopt children from foreign countries. An adoption like that takes a lot of effort and often a lot of money as well. 
The people who are in a position to do that will go to a country such as Haiti, for example, where there is a lot of poverty and disease. They will seek out children to adopt who often have no parents, who live in very miserable circumstances. And then these rich people from the West go to visit the orphanages and pick out a child for adoption. Sometimes children are adopted even though they have parents. Those parents give them up because they do not have the means to take care of the child. And so they make their child available for adoption. If everything turns out for the benefit of all parties, then that is a great thing. However, in human relationships, adoptions are always on somewhat shaky grounds. The biological family often remains somewhat in the background. There's also an enormous amount of red tape to deal with. Furthermore, even though at one time, at one point, the biological family will no longer have any legal rights, the child, as he grow up, as he grows up, may wonder about his or her biological parents later on in life. And what about the adoptive parents themselves? Couples adopt children partly because they want their lives to be fulfilled. They want somehow the adopted child to fill a void in their own lives. But now think about our Heavenly Father. That is not the way it is with Him. He does not adopt us in order to make His life complete. God is complete in Himself. He does not need anyone or anything to make Him more complete. And therefore He gives unselfishly of Himself. And we as His children are precious in His sight. Always. He will never reject you or me. He will never put you on a lower place. He will never resent the fact that he adopted you as his child. Your adoption is on solid grounds. The adoption papers will withstand all challenges, legal or otherwise. And because he has adopted us, he is now also our Lord. We come to the second point. It was quite a day, that first day of Pentecost. What had been hidden in the past has now been made clear. Those people standing around people were, as it says in verse 5 of Acts 2, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. They came from all over the world of that day. They lived in the diaspora, that is, in the surrounding nations, outside the borders of Israel. Living in those foreign countries, they were no longer familiar with the Hebrew language. They spoke the universal language of that day, which was Greek. And so they also read their Bible, the Old Testament, in Greek. And now the words Peter spoke had for them a very special meaning. All of a sudden their eyes were opened to the enormous events of the recent past as they applied to Jesus of Nazareth. God's Spirit enlightened them to the truth. They were struck by the title Peter used for the Lord Jesus. He called him Lord. He said, as we read in Acts 2, verse 36, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Listen to their reaction as recorded in verse 37. 
when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other and the other apostles, "Brothers, what shall we do?" Why did the people respond like this? Why were they cut to the heart? That was, brothers and sisters, because of Peter's use of the word Lord, kurios. It was quite an eye-opener. The Greek edition of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, used the word Lord, kurios, more than 6,000 times as a reference to God. The Jews standing around Peter on that day of Pentecost now heard Peter say that Jesus was made both Lord and Christ. In their minds, they loaded the term Lord with its Old Testament meaning, and they heard Peter to say that the very Jesus whom they had crucified and killed had been placed on the same level as God. Indeed, they had been placed on that same statement that he is God. In fact, Peter fed that understanding with his words in the earlier verses, for he speaks about the Jesus whom the Christ, whom the crowds had crucified and said of him that God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. And then he adds that this Jesus is exalted to the right hand of God, He even quotes from the Old Testament from Psalm 110 saying, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The right hand of God, that is the position of authority, of power, and of honor. Jesus Christ is the Lord God for whom they had been waiting. That son of David now has this glorious position of authority and power and honor at God's right hand. He is now their Lord and Master. Satan is out of the picture. That was a wonderful discovery for them. It is no wonder that thousands and thousands of them believed. But that's not all, brothers and sisters. We're also told something else. As God's adopted children, having been ransomed from our former futile ways, we now have also become new creatures. That is our third point. Our old nature has changed into a new nature. For when God adopts into his family and makes Christ our Lord, he also gives us his nature. He no longer allows us to resemble the devil. He gives his adopted children his Holy Spirit in order to renew our corrupted nature. We are new creatures. He causes our old nature to die. We become like our Heavenly Father. We are again his image bearers. Does that mean that now we are perfect like him? No, not yet. For at this moment, our adoption is not yet complete. That is what Paul means in Romans 8, verse 23, when he says that we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We are at this moment still waiting to take hold of our complete inheritance, We now have the first fruits. But what does that mean? 
Well, that means that having the first fruits, we today have already a new nature. That is also what John tells us in his first epistle. He says in 1 John 3 verse 1, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. John tells us further implications of that fact. A child of God is someone who now no longer sins. That's what he says in verse 6. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Our new nature means that we no longer are sinners. If you and I do, then we are still children of the devil. That's what he says in verse 8. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. Now this may sound confusing to you. For you say, we are still sinners, aren't we? How then can we no longer sin? And that's true, we are still sinners. But then you must add at the same time that as children of God, you also have a new relationship with the Father. He forgives you your sins. And therefore you live in a state of righteousness. Only in that sin, in that sense, are you no longer sinners. Christ has purified you by his blood. And he has also given you the renewal of your life. You are now children of God, but you also have to live up to that. That means that you now must want to flee from sin, that you hate sin, that you want to fight against it with all your might. You do not want to live in it. You are deeply sorry that when you do sin that you have offended God. And then you get down on your knees to ask your Heavenly Father for forgiveness. Children of the devil, those who want to remain in their sins, do not do that. They continue to live in their sins. They make excuses for it and allowances for it. God's children are not like that. They are not like that now already. At least that is the way it should be. If you are a child of God, then you will also want to do God's will and keep his commandments even in the knowledge that we now only have a small beginning of the obedience that God requires of us. And that is why John can say further, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Do you boast of the fact that you are a child of God? Well, you can and you should. But do you see that you are greatly privileged as a child of God and to no longer be considered a child of Satan? Well, that is the way it should be. But that is good only if you realize in the first place that God has adopted you. You had nothing to do with that yourself. Your changed nature is due only to what God has done. Through Christ he prayed the ransom, and through his Holy Spirit he renews you. It is all God's work. All you have to do is respond to that by being thankful. 
And therefore, the fact that you are an adopted child must indeed also show from your conduct. And so let me ask you, does the world see from your conduct that you are different, that you are a child of God rather than a child of Satan? Do they see that from the way you do business? Or if you are an employee from the way that you conduct yourself, that you are honest and hardworking? Do your fellow workers see that you treat them with respect? Is it evident in your family life? It is evident from the way you treat your brothers and sisters in the Lord. And young people, do the people know from your behavior that you are a child of God? Or do you do exactly the same as the world does? Are you able to control your passions? Do you, does it show in your leisure activities and all your activities that you are children of God rather than children of Satan? Do you regularly go on your knees to ask the forgiveness of your sins? And do others also know that you are humble in that regard, realizing that you are a sinner and that you need everything from your Lord and Savior? Think about it. These are important questions. The Lord God has adopted you and me into his family. And that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But your family traits have to show Think about that in this coming week. Are your family traits evident? Does it show that I am a member of the family of God? Does it show that I'm no longer in the power of the devil? That I'm thankful for the ransom paid for me? Amen.